0: I'm Dr. Gene and For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions.
1: This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, June 10th, 2017.
2: Nation has there are four essential economic freedoms. The excessive, the excessive decline, decline in the dollar. In lack of better late rally on Wall Street. To fail. Growing, the economy. Growing the economy. Welcome.
3: Yeah. This is Money Talks.
0: Well, good morning, good morning. This is Money Talks. Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. I'm Bill Laco, certified financial planner, along with uh, Nick Antonucci. You got a designation now, right? You're a smart guy now. CVA. Right? Oh, <laughs> does that class five? You're a smart guy. I don't know about that, but I have a designation. Letters. Yeah, kind of have some letters. That's right. Uh, so, so CVA, certified valuation analyst. That's correct. All right, all right. And then uh, Sean Ethereal, you got a couple of them, don't you? A little bit. You're, you're you're like a CPA and a CFP and an EIEIO? That's right. Okay. <laughs> One up in me. Well, you know, she's smarter than all of us. <laughs> Clearly. And better looking. <laughs> yes. So, Well, thank Sorry,
1: you Sorry. That. that
0: wasn't inappropriate. No. Was that inappropriate? No. <laughs> Is the you mic flashing? She's you blushing. Can, you can always say on? that I look better it. than you. That's
1: not a problem.
0: <laughs> well, and it's a factual statement, too. Uh, so, how's this week going? Uh, well... We're down a quarter
4: of a percent this week. Uh And I said the market was going to
1: be up, so it was my fault Well, we have
4: a day left. And today's been kind of interesting. Today's Thursday when we record this. We've had the Comey testimony going on. And the market is kind of, you know, it it started out pretty flat. Halfway through the testimony, you saw the market take off. And by the end of the day, it it had pulled back down into negative territory. Uh, For the week, though, as I said, we're down about a quarter of a percent. Um, Financials leading the way for the week. What's pulling us down? Consumer discretionary, utilities, staples. But this week has been kind of slow in terms of economic news. I think next week is going to be really interesting. We've got a lot of important data points throughout. We've got... Two inflation readings. We've got PPI on Tuesday, producer price index, consumer price index Wednesday. Also got retail sales Wednesday. So you're going to get an idea of you know how is consumer spending in May. Um, later that day, we've got the FOMC decision. Uh, it seems all but certain we're going to get a rate hike, what's, I think. What's FOMC? Uh, Federal Open Market Committee. He's trying to trip me trip me out there, see if <laughs> I checking. actually knew it. He's checking. <laughs> um, but uh, they'll come out with their latest monetary policy decision. Um, we expect to get another quarter of a percent rate hike. That will put us in the range of 1 to 1. Oh, you think this 40%. month for sure? It's, uh, the implied probability per Bloomberg is 98% hmm. as of today. Hmm. So the, you know, the market seems reflective of that happening. Uh, it would be a big shock if that didn't happen. But then closing out the week, we've also got Consumer Sentiment. Um, it's a twice-a-month release. This will give us the preliminary June reading as far as w- looking forward, what are consumer expectations like. So I think next week is going to be a lot more telling than this week. It's kind of been a flat week, and you're seeing that with the market you know relatively flat,
1: what were the two inflationary
4: producer price index, okay. consumer price index producers okay. obviously from the producer side it 's right. a precursor to CPI, and the expectations for next week are both to be flat so it 's not often that you see a big divergence in and PPI either. to Cpi right um, and we like to look at the the headline number which strips out food and energy they 're more volatile, so um, that 's what we 'll be watching next week uh, that being said we 've had uh, you know a few economic indicators throughout this week we 'll start with. The previous Friday, we had our monthly employment situation for May. Uh, payroll g- gains slowed a bit, so 138,000 jobs added for the month. Um, gains for both March and April were also revised downwards, so not a great reading on employment there. But that being said, you have to look back at the overall trend. It's been pretty impressive. Um, the unemployment rate is 4.3%, so you've got to assume that's pretty close to full employment. We can't continue to add 200 and some thousand jobs a month. So these, these
1: numbers change, obviously, given that it's, we're in summer, too, right? Sure,
4: sure. They're seasonally influenced. Right. Um, something else worth noting, um, if, if you guys watch the Walsh Week Ahead videos, I know tons of people do. No sarcasm there. Everybody. <laughs> um, but <laughs> within three years of reaching full employment, we've headed into a recession. So I don't think that's imminent, but it's a statistic that you can't ignore, and it's something that, you know, we continue to, to monitor I would be the implications th- of that.
0: What, what what the underemployed looks like. You know, in terms that's, of, that's a good question. Well, I'm in sure terms if you dig w- through the details. When you get into the recession thing that you're talking about in terms of three years out. Sure. Because there's still a lot of people not working. Absolutely. Um, and I think we saw, let's see in here, the
4: uh, labor participation rate ticked uh, lower to 62.7%, so less people you know, actively seeking jobs. Um, also this week we got some trade data. The trade deficit widened more than expected in April, rising to $47.6 billion. From 45.3 billion in March, it was a little more than expected. But really, the thing you got to think about here is you have a, a U.S. economy that's stronger than basically most of our trade partners. So it's no surprise that you know our demand for imported goods is a lot higher than their demand for what we export to them. So uh, not a huge shock there that the the deficit widened a bit. Productivity and costs came out uh, this this past Monday. Uh, productivity is now shown to have been unchanged in the first quarter compared with a 0.6 decline in the prior estimate. This is basically just a change in the amount of goods or services produced per unit of labor. Um, Really, you can tie some of the numbers in here back to the employment situation. Something that we're still lacking is really seeing wage growth. I think we're seeing year-over-year wage growth somewhere in the range of 2.5%. And when you consider that inflation is, you know, Two point, two, even more two than point that, 2.1, one, two one, two. somewhere in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, real wage gain, uh, growth is 0.4%. So it's almost non existent. Um, also, Monday, we got a little bit of uh, non manufacturing data out the ISM non manufacturing index, aka services. Um, slipped a little bit in May, but it continues to do well. It dropped from 57.5 in April to 56.9. It's a slightly larger decline than what was expected. Uh, But to note here, anything in excess of 50 is still considered expansionary. So the services sector of the economy is continuing to grow, which is important because it accounts for more than 80 percent of our domestic uh, GDP. So uh, finally, on uh, uh, Monday, we got the latest factory orders data. So now a little bit on the manufacturing side of things. Factory production took a small step back in April. We saw orders posting their uh, first decline since November, losing 0.2 percent. Again, first decline since November. I still think it's safe to say manufacturing domestically here um, is doing well. I think some of the anticipation of an improvement was kind of on the back of a a Donald Trump presidency with promises Mm -hmm. that haven't come to fruition yet. There's still a lot to be seen. Um, So wouldn't be surprised if you continue to see uh, somewhat of a pullback there. Um, as far as interest rates go, we'll give you guys a little bit update on that. Uh, two-year Treasury rose a little bit, but across the board, everything further out, five and out, you saw uh, rates come down just a little bit, somewhere around uh, one to three basis points. You got mortgage rates down. Uh, the 30-year average fell to 4.04%. Still cheap. I know, you know, we. People are always harping on the fact that, oh, mortgage rates are increasing. They're increasing. Not that fast. 4%. Right. <laughs> right. Especially
0: and, on an after-tax basis.
4: Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you got to think back, as we mentioned. We're probably going to get an interest rate increase next week. But that even so has – I mean, we've had three of them since what? last? This will be the right. third the rates since are lower. last December. Yeah, exactly. And they're not Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, you know – People take advantage of it and assume they have to jump to it before rates get tremendously higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still don't see anything that's going to drive them considerably yeah. higher where it's going to really force people out of the market. You, you know, that you start to see that in the housing data. They're saying, you know, higher rates are, are disincentivizing people from from buying homes. But I really think it's the supply shortage, which has driven prices you Right. Know, I know high. in my
1: area the supplies are really really low. You put a house on the market, it sells in a day.
4: Exactly, and I mean builder sentiment's still good, it's just you're not actually seeing them go out. I think last week we had, uh, actually it's next week we have housing starts data, and again, housing permits uh, are supposed to, expected to be down. You have multifamily that's declining, so I feel like something's got to change here. If there's a supply shortage, there's money to be made by right. these builders. Why aren't they getting out there? Um, Which is interesting because
1: I've seen a lot of building happening around you know the Atlanta area. It's, yeah, it's everywhere.
4: You know, I go home, I see nothing but crane skyline, it seems like.
1: Right,
0: right. Um, There's so much building going on down there, it's a little scary. Well, it that's is, what happened but, before. They but, built
4: it all up and then they couldn't sell anything, right? If you look at population growth, and I know this is way down the line, they're talking like by 2040, population is supposed to increase in Atlanta by 50%.
0: Five can you, zero. Can you imagine Five? our traffic Actually it's forty
4: eight. I'm sorry, forty eight. Absolutely. I can't imagine. It's gonna they're Highway? expecting Atlanta to be twenty uh twenty
0: forty. Can't do that math in my head. What is that? <laughs> twenty twenty three 20 years. years yeah.
4: yeah um and it's gonna make Atlanta the sixth largest metro area.
0: Wow. That's a lot of people.
1: We have to move. No.
4: We're done. We're <laughs> we don't out. have to deal with it. Both of you. You drive two, two minutes to
0: That's work. True. You drive? How far are you yeah. driving? Yeah, but, but if it doubles, it goes to four minutes to get <laughs> oh, here. Yeah. Game over.
4: Game over. Hey, <laughs> one other thing issues. worth noting while we're top, on the topic of Atlanta and Georgia specifically. Um, this week, 17 Georgia companies made the Fortune 500 list for 2017. I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of the companies are used to seeing Home Depot, UPS, Coke. Um, but NCR, who's got building a brand new office mm-hmm. in Midtown, uh, Verative, Polta Group, Mohawk Industries. So, Pulte Group, to go that's Georgia. new homes.
0: Yeah, there you, there you go. Well, they need to right. get going here in Georgia, I guess. Well, I mean, come on. Yeah, are you from here? I was raised here. I've been here since I was five. So. So I mean, uh, e- even through, uh, I mean, we got smashed pretty hard during the 8 recession. Sure. But I, you know, I remember the '70s recession and. Uh, You mean, Georgia's always been, Atlanta's always been growing. Sure. You know, it's a special place. Property values are so cheap here. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Up north. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, it it certainly is a competitive advantage. Favorable. Yeah, taxes too. Yeah. I just can't imagine there's so many people moving to downtown. I'm telling you, I see. How do you get around? I walk. Or I take Marta. Do you really? Or I bike. Yeah.
1: Wow.
4: I
0: would be skinny if I did that. I'd look like (laughs) you, Nick. (laughs) You didn't move down to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's not going to happen. All right, we're going to stop here for a quick break. You're listening to Money Talks. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
2: It's time for the Dog of the Week.
0: Are you feeling some big shoes here, Nick? Yeah, I know. Um, Short sure comes up with some really weird stuff. I'm not gonna lie. This isn't crazy out there. It's just one of
4: those things that almost makes you think. You know what they talk about? You know, have we reached a market top? What to are the indicators? You know, we had everyone moved into these huge homes. Well, this I thought was fitting for the dog of the week. As man's best friend, dogs deserve the best in life. And when it comes to housing, a UK company is ready to offer them just that. The world's first line of luxury dog mansions with the most expensive models costing $200,000. Come on. But, but here's what gets me is the finishes that they're like putting in these houses, an- hardwood floors, walls, columns, balconies carved from marble, indoor and outdoor lighting, automated food and water systems, treat dispensers, TV and sound systems. Prices start at around 40000 reaching up to 200000
1: This is a doghouse, right?
4: Doghouse. Air conditioning. They have uh, video conferencing so that and it even – I love the way it says this. Hold on. Let me let me find where it says this. You in, know how many in, husbands in would
1: love to be in the doghouse? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I'm in the doghouse? Oh, good. The conference thanks, call I'm...
4: system allows the dog and its owner to communicate with each other whenever they want. How does
0: the dog communicate?
4: That's what I was saying. Like, hey, I'm going to call you? my owner. Like, let me uh, <laughs> hit my hey, paw thanks. on this
0: thing. Uh, it just seems so out there. I'm not sure. Yeah, it is definitely out there. All right, Shauna.
1: Well, we came up with a planning point this week, and this seems to come up more and more and more, just understanding how assets transfer um, either by a will or beneficiary designation, how asset titling, how important it is. And this this is important for anybody, no matter what size assets you Correct. have. Okay. Um, So just be thinking about situations that you may be in or family and just looking at it. So, you know, I'll start with, for example, retirement accounts. Retirement accounts pass outside of the will. Um, I've had several situations come up where, um, you know, I I met with someone and, and they had just updated their wills and they thought everything was in order and it wasn't because if you look at your net worth and you have a large portion of your net worth that's in IRA accounts, um, that doesn 't pass by the will right, so it 's very important you know i i 've had someone um you know tell me that oh it's okay my will's updated and it wasn't because they didn't update their IRA beneficiaries and most of the wealth was in the IRA so the IRA ben-
4: beneficiary doesn't, whoever is designated there that would take precedence over the will yes. oh, okay as well as
1: life insurance as well so if you're you have any or a transfer on death account so you can have a brokerage account that also has a beneficiary designation okay so i get that question all the time how can i add a beneficiary to the brokerage account or bank account, you can do payable on death, which are PODs or TODs, transfer on death to name a beneficiary. So if you have an asset where a beneficiary is named... It does not pass through the will.
4: Now, is this something that an estate planner, when you're going through the actual process here, should should be confirming these things for you? Yes,
1: yes. So when you're, you know, when you're working with a firm like Hensler, you know, we go through and make sure that everything's in order on all of your beneficiary designations and your wills, et cetera. Um, so that's just something, and they should be, you know, we ask about how life insurance is titled, et cetera, and beneficiaries outside of okay. us as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of
0: times, you know, the, the the lawyers do the legal work, and they do a good job of drafting right. the wills and that kind of thing. And, and, and then, you know, the, most people don't want to pay the attorneys to make sure everything's titled the way it's supposed to be titled. Mm-hmm. So they say, I'll just handle it, and then they never do. Right. Got you. you know, so that's kind of where having a, you know, one-stop shop, comprehensive firm would be nice because, you know, this one of the things we're looking at is we're doing the financial planning. You always say, well, how's everything passing? Yeah that's, you know. oh, yeah. yeah, that's a big oh, detail. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: Especially you think in the terms of what, what, let's say you got divorced, and something happens to you, and you may not have changed your 401k or life insurance at work to the new beneficiary or a yeah. different beneficiary. Yeah.
0: It, it does happen.
1: It does. Yes. Yeah. So well, that's more important than you as want well. To know. Exactly. Um, other things such as asset titling, so if you have an account that's joint tenants with rights of survivorship, so I've seen scenarios where, you know, you have an elderly parent and they add their child to their account. There's so many nuances that to help them pay bills and their accounts don't get locked up when they pass away. I've seen situations where, guess what? Joint tenants with rights of survivorship, that goes to the surviving tenant no matter what the will says. So I have actually seen siblings say, This is mine. They don't have to do anything with it. They don't have to dole it out per the will, et cetera, because it's in their name. Right. Um, so that so the tenant on that
4: account needs to be whoever you intend to leave that to.
1: Well, or, or do powers of attorney okay. is usually better You okay. know, to have them help you and financial powers of attorney. You I can understand. add them to the accounts so that way they can assist with paying bills or what have you.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it, it, the other side of that, too, is liability. So you you get added to your mom's bank account, and you have an accident. And now guess what? That's mm-hmm. an asset that yep. the attorneys go can after. go after. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So generally, I don't like to see you know naming kids just because you want them to pay bills. Right. You know, because there's other ways to do it, as Shauna was describing, that, that that make more sense.
1: And you should think about things such as you know second marriages. So if you want your children to be left money. There can be situations where if you name your – you have a joint tenants' rights of survivorship with your second spouse. um, You have an IRA beneficiary that they're named at, and they're going to get all the assets. Well, they could turn around and name their children if they wanted to and disinherit your children. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how assets are titled when you pass is very important in that regard as well.
0: Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Well, well,
0: and uh, one other aspect because, you know, if you're – Georgia's probate is fairly simple um, unless there's – I mean – 70, 80% 70, 80% of the time, this is not a brain. You know, it's not it's not a, it's a no-brainer. Right. The probate here. But if you're in Florida or some other states where it's rather cumbersome, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll want to title real estate in a trust or a right. revocable living trust. You know, they'll do assets that way. But just because you open the account. Right. <laughs> if you don't actually fund it or retitle the asset, right. it's not, you still got to deal with the problem.
1: Absolutely. So. And, and we, we recommend with uh, real estate that is out of state to have it in some sort of revocable trust or some way that passes outside of the will, or else your heirs are going to have to probate that state. Correct. In an arduous process. And to your point, if you just set up a trust, you actually have to do a quick claim to put the property right. in there. Um, now, if it's rental property, we wouldn't do a revocable trust. We'd talk about LLCs right. you know, right. for liability protection, but it still passes outside. Yep. You know. Yep. There's a way to do that. So. Um, just be thinking about that as well. Um, The other thing, trusts also pass outside of the will, as we mentioned. So if you have an irrevocable trust that maybe you have inherited from a family member, um, you always have to look at how that's t- how the beneficiary designations when you pass away are titled or not the beneficiary the trust designations because they actually pass via trust language as well so if you have a trust account that it's its own separate entity has its own tax ID files its own separate tax return, that those assets will ultimately pass the way that it's written in the trust It does not look at your anything that you name as a beneficiary it does not look at your wills or anything in that matter as well, so you know it's it's important to look at. You know, the titling of that as well and who the ultimate beneficiaries are. I had a situation. Um, where, you know, ultimately it was going to go to the grandkids, the account was, and, and um, you know, we split up the account today you know, and, and got, went ahead and gave a portion to one of the grandchildren, but the, the rest of the account was intact that was supposed to go to right. the other grandchild, but guess what? If that person were to pass away today, it would be split between the two kids and the other child would have lost their portion. Right. And so you really have to look at it doesn't matter about what it. the will, right. right. So you and have to
0: work with the professional. You know, that's, that's one of the unique things that, that I think a lot of people People don't don't really understand about Hensler and, and uh, Hensler Financial, is is that we do all of that for the same fee that you're going to be charged when the guy down the road is just managing your money. Right. But we still do the managing of the money. Sure. Right. Right. I mean, you're still throwing darts down there, right, Nick? Absolutely. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> I can't
4: guarantee accuracy.
0: <laughs> I'm only kidding.
4: No, but I think there's a lot of value added, especially having that all in house. It's not like you're, you know, contracting out different pieces of the right. financial planning process. Whereas if someone has a question, I got to make calls
0: and try and get in touch right. with, you know, doing Well, the real question the is, when's planning. the last time your financial advisor said anything to you about your beneficiaries?
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: the answer is never, maybe That's it's time to give us a call. Sure, right. I don't know, right. or someone else.
1: Yeah, preferably it, yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> shameless about self-promotion. Else. <laughs> Well, we take, we take over the management of that for you. So basically, instead of you having to call your CPA and then you having to call your money person, Mm -hmm. you calling, you know, you have one person looking at that all together and making the calls for you and working through it and saying, you should be looking at this or you should consider this and working together, even if you use outside. Uh, accountants or you know advisors, we still quarterback that for you. Yep. So it's very important. Well, and, and, and
0: if you were listening to the first segment of the show, I mean, Atlanta's going to double in size in 23 years. That's right. Imagine what the drive's going to be from Kennesaw to, to Buckhead Whew, at that point, right? we right? right. I mean, are already in the car now. 20 <laughs> bad, minutes. bad enough oh, as it is now. Oh, my goodness. So if we could save you some time, what's that worth? <laughs> A lot, right? Priceless,
1: mm-hmm. doggone right. Priceless, absolutely. So,
0: so uh, this is probably a good time to say our phone number. So, if you're if you want some help, give us a call seven seven zero four two nine nine one six six. By the way, if you have a question, you can call seven seven zero four two nine nine one six six. Or, and we're gonna get to a few. Uh, we've had some calling questions. Yeah. Um, you can call us at one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. That's eight five five four two nine. 9166 and leave a question and we'll answer it on the air. Yeah, whether if it's stock specific or right. it's a planning type of question we'll answer whatever kind of questions you have. Right. And you can email us. We still get a lot of these. We're going to get to those after the, the next break uh, at Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at Hensler H-E-N-S-S L-E-R.com uh, And of course you can always visit us on the website at com. So two S's, one N.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, okay. So, I'll tell you what. Why don't we we're a little early here, but I think before we get into the next subject, we'll just we'll take an early break and we will come back and take your questions. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
2: When you have money, money. you start investing in your future. When you start investing in your future, you start worrying you'll make mistakes. Oops. When you start worrying you'll make mistakes, you can't sleep at night and watch infomercials. Pick oh, cat clothes. When you watch infomercials, you think you can get rich by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers. <laughs> When you place tiny classified ads in newspapers, you subscribe to those papers to make sure your ad is running. When you subscribe to a bunch of newspapers, they pile up at your house, making it look like you're not home. When you look like you're not home, Girl Scouts don't come to your door. When Girl Scouts don't come to your door, you don't get to buy Girl Scout cookies. Don't miss out on Girl Scout cookies. Mm. Get rid of get-rich-quick schemes from infomercials and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. And we're back. See?
0: That, if, you, if you work with us, you won't miss your Girl Scout cookies. That makes me miss the
4: DirecTV commercials, the inspiration for that. You guys remember those? Comcast made them stop advertising because it claimed, I think, that you know DirecTV service is a superior offering and it can't be proven. Oh. But
0: they, they had a great marketing campaign going on. All right, so let's get to some questions here, Nick. Uh, you want to lead us off with Bill? Yes, yeah, so our good friend Bill Murray
4: writes, Somebody told me that I should not hold foreign equities in my IRA because I won't get any tax credits for foreign tax paid. Is this true? Um,
0: so Very true. The first yes, that, that is true. The first part of the question is maybe. The second part is true. Right. The first part is should I? Should I? Correct. Okay. Yes,
4: I'm saying corrected. <laughs> right. Yes. No, you don't get the tax credits. That's correct. Correct. But it's it's a deeper question, in our opinion.
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, it's in an IRA account, so you know if you're paying the foreign tax credit, it's a deduction from your IRA, so it's not considered a distribution. You're not taxed on it, right. um, but you don't get the credit. Right. Either.
4: There's a there's a tax withheld correct. at the corporate the foreign correct. corporation, so you're receiving a lesser dividend payment than you would otherwise have right. received.
1: Right. So it's not like
4: at the end of the year you're Having to cut a check or anything, but
1: right. So, so to, to your point, so basically, what happens is, you know, you you are taxed in the other country. They typically charge charge you at the time of the dividend and, and deduct it from your distribution or your payment. And typically, what you can do if it's in a taxable account is take a credit or deduction for that on your tax return, so you're not double paying tax on it. Sure. Um, but you know, back to what I was saying. Well,
0: let's, it, let, let, let's let's just, let's elaborate. So, let's assume they pay you $1 a dollar quarter. All right. And they withhold 25 cents. You are going, in a taxable account, they're going to give you a 1099 for the full dollar. Right. Okay. You get the tax credit so that you're really only paying tax on 75 cents. Right. You still only got seventy five cents, right, right? Correct. Right. Okay. Now go ahead.
1: Exactly, um, but to, to inside the IRA, it grows tax free or tax deferred. Depends if it's an IRA or traditional or Roth. Okay. Um, so if it's growing tax deferred, you are you know getting that growth tax tax deferred basically, and you're you know you're getting a fee taken out of there. But you're not getting charged for distribution either because in the future, in a traditional IRA, you're going to have to take an IRA distribution. Yeah, so in a
4: traditional IRA or 401K, is it not the same? I mean, you'd you'd be paying that tax anyway, so it's really not.
1: Well, sort of. I mean, it's going to reduce how much you're distributing in the future potentially because it's a small – and we're usually talking about small amounts here too. Yeah,
4: and that's worth noting. The average, I think, IRA account is going to pay maybe a few hundred dollars in in foreign taxes when this situation occurs. So it's not like correct
0: me if I'm wrong. The math is still the same. It's a wash. They pay me a dollar. They take 25 cents out. They put 75 cents in my IRA. Yeah. It's not taxable. Right. Correct. Okay. In your taxable account, they pay me a dollar. They take 25 cents away. Yes. I get a credit for the 25 cents. Yes. But now I'm taxed on the 75 cents. Right. Okay. See the difference? Right. Yeah. So I'm not saying one way or the other. It is absolutely a correct statement. You will not get the foreign tax credit. Right. What I'm saying is, what difference does it make? Right.
1: Well, and if you think about it too, if if this is an investment that even because it's foreign, if you, if you think it's going to grow, why not put it in a tax? Yeah, I think that's
0: probably uh, that's another issue too, Nick. So yeah. So it, you know, are we going to let the tax tail wag like the dog?
4: Exactly. Or, okay. And and I think that the added benefit of diversification far outweighs the minimal amount of taxes that you're going to. Pay, quote pay. Right. I don't know. By Bill Murray's probably got a hundred million dollars.
0: Man, he might have like you know five million bucks in I mean, ADR ADR a, some ADRs. He
4: listens to us, so I'm sure he's pretty wealthy. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> when is he going to start paying? That's the exactly, question. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and you know, I, I looked at just some rough numbers earlier. Let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar Roth IRA. Um, in our let's say moderate allocation, you have a ten percent allocation international equities. Um, We use EFA, the iShares MSCI ETF. It yields 2.68%. That means you're receiving roughly $268 of taxable dividend income. If 20% of that's withheld on this amount, it's $53.60. That's that's nothing. And you're going to let that dictate your investment decision.
1: $53.60.
4: Right. Uh, I, I think you absolutely look at it from an investment perspective of, Adding diversification to your portfolio. You know, adding international equities, just because the U.S. market, otherwise, if you're going to hold only U.S. stocks, what happens when the U.S. stock market declines 15%, international markets are up 10% for the year? Right. You, you know, you you have no protection against that downside. Let's not be, even, let's
0: not be calling for that.
4: Oh, I would let's never. Not be calling I, for I that. would never. <laughs> <laughs> We're up almost 10% this year. Yeah, that sh- sh- oh, That's no. a knock on wood right there. <laughs>
1: at um, the but, beginning of the end.
4: No, But I think something to consider here is what assets are ideal to add in certain accounts, right. taxable accounts versus retirement accounts. Um, so qualified dividends are taxed capital gains rate, non-qualified dividends taxed, ordinary income. Um, non-qualified dividends are going to include investments like REITs and MLPs. So what's an MLP? A master limited partnership. So it's basically the structure of the company where the tax is passed on to the actual investor. Um, and what's and, the
0: best part about most MLPs? The K one Oh, yeah, oh yeah, Don't that's you one love of the K ones, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, you want to file your tax return <laughs> timely, yeah. Good, good luck.
1: Aren't there some where it's whatever state the pipes goes
4: through or what have you? Yeah, there's, and, yeah, and there's gets, So you get yeah. multiple. states. They're state all different. T- Absolutely, you gotta you know. Right. Other things: uh, municipal bonds, tax-managed funds, index funds. Those are things you typically want to own in a taxable account. The benefit of owning municipal bond funds is that you either exempt from you know federal taxes, state taxes, both. And if you're in a non-taxable account, you don't get that added benefit. Um, I mentioned uh, tax-managed funds and index funds the same because what good does a tax-managed fund do you in
0: in a a, a a tax-free account? account.
4: Index funds, I say, because they're typically lower turnover than actively managed funds, so you're not likely going to pay the capital gains, uh, tax on the capital gains distribution um, from high turnover in a portfolio. If you are in a taxable account and you see – Uh, a mutual fund that has high turnover, uh, short holding periods in their securities, Um, it's probably something to be watchful of and not hold in a taxable account, especially if they're holding them short term, you're going to get hit with that short-term capital gain. Right. Um, And obviously tax rate, on that's going to be even higher. Um, Taxable accounts, uh, high-income bond funds as income distributions are taxed at ordinary income, Um, so you probably don't want to have something that's spinning off that kind of a, Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
4: a coupon payment or dividend. In a taxable account.
1: And I like to see where withdrawals are coming from, too, right? So if you have to take required minimum distributions, um, or if you're, let's say you're not 70 and a half, but you're retired, so you need to make withdrawals from your brokerage account, I do still like to pay dividend paying stocks in there, you know, just the or high income. Um, stocks even sure. though it does kick off a dividend with higher income but they're at qualified rates as you stated and it helps with the cash flow for the for the account as well sure so uh, you know and and you, you're maybe your income's not going to be that high in those years because you don't have the requirement on distribution yet so it's really not harmful to have a dividend paying investment I, in your brokerage account
0: i think the biggest problem bill with with any of these things is it's it's client specific it sure is. it is your situation specific and your situation may change year over year based upon current tax law
1: mm-hmm. and
0: what your income looks like this year versus last year and you know or Absolutely. next year and so you know you but but here's the deal I, what am I going to do I I, I base my decision this year off what you just said Shauna so I buy right uh, whatever ExxonMobil paying three percent and next year it's going to be different so what am I going to do sell it Deal with the
1: commission, yeah, yeah, cap gains. Exactly.
0: No, I mean, so at some at some point, what you've got to continue to do is continue to diversify the portfolio, and sometimes you've got to put stocks in the IRA that maybe wouldn't necessarily be put there, but you've got nowhere else to put them. Absolutely. Right. right. So. And, and I think what's interesting in looking at this is, that, and most
4: people will have no idea of this, it can get very confusing, but the tax treatment of different assets. Uh, for example, uh, I was reading about uh, some commodity futures um, ETFs, gold, for example, taxed at a collectibles rate. I had never heard of that. 28% collectibles collectibles rate. Yeah, Yeah. so most people own assets and aren't necessarily aware. And I think it's good to be aware of that, but you can't necessarily let the the tax Tax. implications drive your investment decision.
1: Absolutely. And you really do need to look at your own personal situation because your income could change. You know, when you start Social Security, retire, start Social Security, when you start taking requirement and distributions. Um, you could have a big tax year, tax bill one year because the market was up and there was gains in the account, and there could be losses another year. So your your income's constantly fluct- can be fluctuating from year to year depending on what's happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, let's see. I'll tell you what. Uh, I know they're going to kill me back here, but let's take a break early and then we'll come back and be able to finish the show with the rest of the questions. So you're listening to Money Talks. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back.
2: In this country, you got to make the money first. Then, when you get the money, you get the power. Then, when you get the power, then you get the woman.
3: This is Money Talks. And we're back, it's
0: Money Talks. I'm Bill Lako with Shauna O'Theryelt and uh, Nick Antonucci, who doesn't drive a car while he's in downtown Atlanta ever. I don't really understand that, that's but okay. Right. Millennials, know. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me give out a phone number real quick. So if you want to give us a call or ask a question, uh, 770-429-9166. That's 770-429-9166. Or if you want to leave a voicemail question, you can reach us at 855-429-9166. That's 855 Four two nine nine one six six. So you can always email us at uh, hensler dot com. So let's let's go to one of those voicemail questions real quick. Here we go. Hey, this is Lonnie from uh, Waleska. I'm interested in buying the uh, Lincoln National Corp stock. Uh, my stock my stock club thinks it's a good buy. Um, looking at it last year, it seems like we missed a little bit of the bump in price. And I'm new to the group, so I don't know. Um, I don't really want to question the analyst right off the bat and seem argumentative. So if you could just give me the lowdown on lincoln national corp that'd be great so what do you think there nick
4: all right well first off every now and then we'll get a question about investment clubs and the first thing i always say is the point of the investment club is for you to do your research learn how to research stocks make your own investment decisions now i'm not saying you should manage your whole portfolio that way but for the 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 basis of the the investment club i think that's how you should do it but Happy to give my. Are you chastising our caller? Not at all. I'm just saying. You know, you join the club to learn, and we'll make fun to learn. Um, So, Lincoln National Corporation is a financial services company who offers diverse financial solutions, including annuities, life, group life, disability, dental insurance, as well as employer-sponsored retirement plans, savings plans, financial planning advisory services. So, pretty uh, comprehensive financial services company. Um, We're positive on insurers as a whole for several reasons I'll get into, but I do want to say this stock doesn't meet our investment criteria, um, which doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad investment. Our preference in this space would be MetLife, um, not as well diversified, but nonetheless, uh, we like insurers because of the the low interest rate environment right now. While it's a challenge on profit margins, sales by annuity providers such as Lincoln may benefit if demand grows for income protection. Most assets are insured against outliving your assets. Um, unlike banks who earn money on the net interest margin, insurance companies receive a significant portion of earnings uh, from yield on their collateral. That, if you think about it this way, if yields on uh, benchmark yields rise, whether it's whether it's flat or you know steepening of the yield curve, right. an insurer doesn't really. A life insurer doesn't really care, whereas a bank needs to see that net interest margin expand. You need to see uh, long-term rates rise quicker than short-term rates. So we're kind of agnostic in this space in terms of whether interest rates steepen um, or move up flat. Also, strong performance in life insurance with the unemployment rate at 4.9% and a proposed fiscal expansion on the horizon. We think labor tightness is going to continue to improve. Um, It's probably going to drive the life insurance business um, for Lincoln valuation looks attractive at a price of book of one that's pretty much what you like to see for an insurer um, and it's below its peer average and the stock uh, has an above earning uh, average earnings expectation at eight percent so pretty impressive for an insurance company um, profitability is uh, well in excess of its peers um, and you say you missed the overall bump in the stock it was up almost 49 percent in the last 12 months Uh, But you have to also consider that the financial sector as a whole was up 30 percent over that same period. So while it did outperform, it's not like it went up 50 percent while the the financial sector stayed flat. So at barely at a premium uh, to its own historical average, I don't think it necessarily looks expensive. I don't think that you've, quote, missed the bump. So, you know, if if, uh, you want to partake in this, again, as I said, it doesn't meet our investment criteria, but it certainly doesn't look like an unattractive
0: investment.
1: Can use your side play money for that, right? Exactly. Right.
0: So it would work for an investment club. Sure. <laughs> All right, Shauna, what?
1: Uh, we had a question from Judith in Sandy Springs. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's father bought her four savings bonds. She is 14, and her and her father's name is on the bonds. Can I cash them in for her? Um, so to answer, it depends. So it depends on the age. Since First, go
0: smack the father. Is this mic on?
1: <laughs> are you chastising our <laughs> questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: seriously. <laughs> no, I'm not chastising her. <laughs> chastising. The no one's going to want to write in anymore. The
1: grandparents. You're right. The grandparents always want to buy the savings bonds, and then yeah. it's hard to cash out. You know, but they're trying to be sweet. Yeah. Uh, the savings bonds are generally non-transferable at all. You just because the registration on the bond is. Uh, uh, relationship between the owner and the U.S. Treasury. So, in this case, only the named owners, which would either be your daughter or the father or grandfather, can redeem the bonds. There are instances where a parent can redeem the child's bond if the child's not old enough to sign and request it and that's if you know they're not old enough and they live in the same house with you but in this case because you know she's 14 um she probably has to sign for it on her own so that's another thing you know giving a savings bond you don't want to give 14 year old money like that to be able to go cash them in so here here's the rub though the treasury does not define what a small child is or you know so you know it just depends, also, adding to it, the financial institution handling the transaction can just say no, we're not going to do it. Right. So, it just Plus really depends. The,
0: but, but if you could get out of them, I would. Right. Yeah, and I think it depends on because if,
4: if if these were issued, you know, 14 years ago, depending on what the rate is, maybe it's better than what you can get. Uh, could be in an an investment right now. I mean, this child, if this is for money, you know, college money, you put him in equities or something like that. But relative to what you can get in fixed income yields right now, who knows? Maybe it is comparable. Um, And the specifics of the bond are going to depend. Are they series E, E, or I? A good resource for that would be Treasury Direct. Um, You can just Google that, and you'll be able to kind of see the – the details of your specific bonds, you can Absolutely. enter the coupon on it.
1: Yeah, you yeah, exactly. And you can actually type in your
4: Q-Sip bond right yeah. the number,
1: and it tells you exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What it's earning and what you can do with and it. As far so. as
4: actually cashing in, I think some some banks will cash them for you. Otherwise, you got to mail them in, and uh, redeem them redeem them that way.
0: All right, let's take another one here before uh, before we get out of this. You want which one? Do you want you want Kellyanne from Marietta? Sure. All right. Says so my ex and I split our investment portfolio during the divorce. That happens quite a bit, by the way. Uh, we both contributed, but he did the research and investing. Now I'm in control and I'm looking at some of these stocks, wondering why. Can I get your opinions on Cody Inc. Uh, I still like to stick with and uh, excuse me, what? Stick with a makeup slash perfume ah, company, but, but I'm, I'm not, not sure, sure I want to own it. I got it. Okay.
4: Yeah. Um, Cody, I, I would... I, I, I clearly would,
0: can't read. You know what I mean? <laughs>
4: clearly not. <laughs> Even with glasses on. <laughs> I know. It's horrible. It's,
1: like, it's the new glasses. That's oh,
4: what it is. Negative earnings surprises for this company. You know, missing analyst expectation has really done a number. They're down uh, almost 40% over wow. the last 12 months. Um, nothing about this, honestly, is is attractive to me. As, you, as the listener mentioned, they're a fragrance company. Um, you don't like fragrance? Oh, I like fragrance. I'm going to give you an alternative. But I just keep <laughs> getting interrupted. <laughs> She clearly wants to stay in the fragrance space. (laughs) So, uh, basically what Cody did is, (laughs) is when growth started slowing, they decided we're going to go try and buy growth. They spent about $12 billion buying Procter and Gamble's fragrance, color, cosmetics, and hair color business in a company called Unique that's got a big social media presence. Um, the problem is they were having troubles internally with their company, running the company. So why are you going to buy two other, acquire two Mm -hmm. other companies, try and integrate them when you're already struggling? Um, valuation doesn't look attractive at all peg of 3.65 uh, as i what's mentioned a, they, they borrowed uh, price earnings to growth so um, we target and it's hard to find in this market of a peg around one i'd say you know you can go above one it's really more relative to its sector or industry um, but it, nonetheless it looks expensive here it does have an attractive dividend that's well covered but I'd prefer you invest in something like International Flavors and Fragrances. That company meets our criteria. And what's nice about it is you don't have the volatile component of just fragrances, let's say, recession hits. What's nice about international flavors and fragrances is they have a food component. They're split about mm-hmm. 50-50, so it's kind of a blend of a consumer discretionary and a, staple. And a consumer staple stock. Um, attractive yield of about 2% just under, um, not quite as high, but it's well-covered in more than two times. Profitability is far better. Earnings growth is far better, um, and you know a fraction of the debt that Cody has. So if you do want to stay in that space, I think that's a, a great investment to consider. So that she should just
1: take her loss and move on.
4: I would, yeah. Well, we're, we're assuming you got some, she's got a loss. Hopefully, you've got a bunch of gains. <laughs> well, if we went down, <laughs> well,
1: that's true. Maybe she owned it years and years ago, and just because it dropped forty percent, did you say maybe she doesn't have a loss?
0: Yes, yeah, just forty percent. That yeah. was like, yeah. I mean, she might have made a million dollars on that thing that, already. That's
4: true.
1: Know? That's yeah. true. Everybody's situation is different. All we right, can, so uh,
4: go ahead. If you want to knock out Chase and Paula, right, I can go ahead. Help real quick, that, real quick, Chase and Paula. uh Basically, my uncle was under the misconception the higher the stock price, the better the investment. Now they're left with some stocks, and they they want an opinion on it. Um, They talk about White Mountain Insurance Group, Allegheny Corp., and Intuitive Surgical. You've got two insurers and kind of a healthcare tech company. Uh, Just to give you a quick opinion, White Mountain Insurance, low profitability relative to the the industry, Um, falling earnings. We would say a sell on that doesn't meet our criteria, Allegheny. Meets our criteria. It looks pretty attractive on valuation basis. I would hold it. And Intuitive Surgical, I think it's an amazing company. Their product's great, but it looks very expensive, and you have Medtronic coming to market with a, uh, a threat to them, so some competition. So I would say sell that as well.
0: Wow, you did that pretty fast. I know. got to roll Almost, it. It. Almost, like, got to Almost the like you knew what you were doing. Like you got a designation or something. What <laughs> would you, man? <laughs> All right, look. We got like 20-some 20, 20 seconds left. Mark it up or down.
4: Uh I think uh the market's gonna be up. Inflation data is gonna be good. We're gonna get a rate hike, it's priced in consumer uh sentiment and retail sales are gonna
0: be positive, markets going higher. Higher. Up. I'm gonna stick with my normal flat. Guess who's almost right this week? Oh <laughs> hey. no, he didn't. Did he go there? Well, always oh, a slice of heaven. Thank you for joining Nick and Shauna. We will see you next week.